To your everyday rich podcast i'm your host jason as you can see my lovely co-host is not here with us we had some technical difficulties with our microphone but today we are interviewing um a special guest of ours uh someone that we met through our real estate network and have kind of seen a really cool story happen in the background um while you know we're kind of doing our thing he's kind of doing his thing and uh just a f- just a just a good guy to to uh shoot the shit with too on on some stuff that uh we've had some nice banter back and forth um but before we get into this i i do always want to as we kind of say like your everyday rich is a podcast that we highlight highlight um these uh, couch conversations and living room conversations surrounding financial literacy and how you can make the best decision through investing and business and really doing the best you can in terms of like your career and all that stuff and navigating all these cultural norms, being an Asian and all this stuff growing up. So, um, but we do highlight uh, businesses and today's show is gonna be highlighting Portraits on White, our good friends at Portraits on White. Um, they are the hands down the best uh, photo photo booth in the GTA. Go check them out. I won't give a spiel. Um, classy black and white, the best. Just go go check them out. But our guest, I can give him a cool introduction, but I'm gonna let him do it. But essentially, our guest, his name is Terry Nguyen. Uh, and Terry's a real estate investor. He is a business owner. He is a former tradesman who essentially has transitioned into this wonderful world that we call Airbnb now. And he's really created an interesting story for himself, uh, along with his girl, sorry, fiance, uh, that really I think now is just an amazing thing to see. Um, obviously watching him through social, but you know, connecting off of that. Um, and what we wanted to do was obviously bring Terry on here to showcase his story, right? His, his journey of, of, of living his everyday rich and how that's evolved, how that's evolving and talk about a few cool things. So Terry, welcome, appreciate you uh, coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jason and uh, Jen. Jen's here Hi, Jen. in spirit with us. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, I've known you guys for, what about, I think, three or four years now. Yeah, through the real estate yeah. investing circles. And um, and that's how I got to know Jason and Jen. Uh, they actually called me out to do their pot lights in their kitchen. Oh, yeah. Time. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Which uh, are still going strong. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, but yeah, so my, my short little story is I've, I was an electrician. I still am an electrician. Obviously the skills haven't gone away, but uh, I don't practice anymore. And, uh, I've been an electric or I was an electrician for about seven years. 
And uh, during that time, as I was, as I was an electrical apprentice, um, I always kind of knew I wanted more out of life. And uh, so I've always had like little side hustles. I would say the most successful one I had was actually running an eBay store uh, where I would go to garage sales and thrift stores and flip stuff online uh, as I was an electrical apprentice. So that was super fun. And from that, uh, I started to go on social media and posting about that. And through social media, that's actually where I met my first joint venture partner um, to buy my first investment property in March of 2019. And that's where I started my real estate investing journey. So that, yeah, that's how I got started into real estate investing. Okay. A lot, a lot to, I'm going to, a lot to separate there and break apart into sure. little nice pieces that I like to, uh, like to share with, with people. Cause, um, not everyone goes from trade to real estate or sorry, trade eBay and then real estate and then doing what you're doing. So, uh, one thing that I remember it actually caught my attention was this eBay store, right? So we'll get to that, but trades, good money. Right, come, come. I imagine did you go straight into trades right out of school? No, so uh, right out of high school, I went to George Brown College for yep. a year and a half for building renovation technology. So I wanted to become a general contractor back in the day, but I didn't really enjoy it. So I dropped out. I never finished college, and uh, I worked actually at Honda for about four or five years um, as a service advisor. So I'd be the guy at the front desk, uh, and you would come up to me and be like, Oh, Hey, Terry, you know, there's something wrong with my car. Can you have it checked out? So I'd be the middle person between, um, the customer and the technicians. Uh, so I did that for about four or five years. Um, and at the tail end of things, I was, uh, playing mechanic apprentice for, for about a year or two. And then from there I jumped into, uh, being an electrician. Oh, nice. So, okay. That's, that's pretty cool. Cause like, I think what we see now, and you've probably observed this, is that this whole uh, trade industry, I, when I was growing up, it was really frowned upon for whatever reason. Wh- whether you were um, immigrant, non-immigrant, there was this big push to like, oh, white-collar jobs, white-collar jobs. Whereas as I was kind of going through the motions of school and coming out of that and then meeting, obviously, uh, very successful tradespeople in different industries, I realized I'm like... I think I got this all backwards, actually. You know how much money my, like these trades guys that I was working with, they would show me their paycheck and I was like, what the hell am I doing wrong here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and obviously now going through uh, the construction industry in terms of uh, real estate and all that, we see how pivotal that trades are, especially you as a Sparky, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer Sparky, right? So, I mean, that's a term for, if everyone else, uh, doesn't know, that's an electrician, Sparky. Um, but... Yeah, that's cool. I, I appreciate the, you sharing that here. So good money, uh, high demand. Then you do that for a few years. You get into the residential side. So are you helping, like doing uh, electro, electrical work in commercial and residential at this time? Yeah. So uh, when I was an electrical apprentice, I worked for non-union outfits. And those outfits did anything from, we didn't do like regular residential or like subdivisions or anything like that. We would do like custom multi-million dollar homes. Um, and, but mainly the bread and butter for those companies was commercial and high rise. So it would be anywhere from, you know, uh, I think the latest project that I was on before I, I went full-time into real estate investing was a 200, 250 unit retirement facility in Whitby, oh. Whitby or Oshawa. Yeah. Um, so those are the types of projects that we were a part of, uh, shoppers, drug marts, um, high right. There was a building near Casa Loma. Um, that the company did and things like that, but it was mainly commercial that we okay. went into. 
Okay, awesome. Uh, it's kind of my world in my nine yeah. to five too. So uh, I, I can totally relate to what you're saying. So, yeah. um, all right. So trades. Then we're gonna get to your eBay story. But before we do, mm-hmm. um, p- part of part of why we like to highlight and and obviously bring on guests like you is to kind of go through your story, right? Um, and and how that revolved around like finances and money to kind of build, give some context, right? Because everyone's got a story to tell. And although you're, depending on how you were growing up, it might be a little bit different, it might be similar, but the whole idea is for hopefully someone that can connect, right? So uh, I want to get this straight. So Nguyen, right? That is a Vietnamese, uh, a Vietnamese name. So yeah. uh, Vietnamese, the culture of uh, Vietnamese growing up, how, what was that culture like and that upbringing around making money, saving money, and also investing money? Like, can you describe kind of what that dynamic was uh, growing up? Yeah. So uh, being Vietnamese, uh, I'm second generation. So I was born and raised in Canada. Yeah. Uh, my parents did uh, immigrate from Vietnam during the war. Um, so that was the mentality that they had coming over here. And they were, you know, late teens, early 20s uh, coming here with like $2 in their pocket. Um, so and this was back in the 80s. Um, and their mentality was just hustle, 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 because there was really no time to, to not hustle. Um, one, because they barely spoke English, uh, two, because no one really looked at them, uh, because they were immigrants. Um, and so that mentality throughout the years, uh, when I was growing up definitely did rub off on me and seeing, you know, my mom raise four kids, uh, with my aunts and uncles and my dad working three or four jobs, you know, for the first, like decade and a half of my life. So that definitely subconsciously rubbed off on me. And it's only been, you know, within the past few years that I actually started to realize why I am the way that I am, because I never really thought about it that right. And I feel like that's uh, kind of prevalent in Asian cultures, like, you know, you don't really talk about the deep emotional things. And I've been kind of diving deep into myself, you know, and that's been a great blessing from my fiance, Christina, to kind of uh, help me through that journey, because it is a journey. And, um, now I realize why I do things instead of just doing them for the sake of doing them. But anyways, that hustle culture did rub off on me. And that's why, you know, ever since pretty much I came out of high school and even during high school, I've either had, you know, two or three jobs, uh, full-time jobs, um, or doing a side hustle, you know, just buying stuff off of, uh, Kijiji and then flipping them out, uh, in person or something. Um, and then, you know, going to the trades and flipping cars, flipping houses, flipping stuff on eBay, uh, building businesses on the side. Yeah. So that uh, hustle culture has been very prevalent in my life uh, and as a character trait, I guess. Um, in regards to like money, uh, being raised in the Vietnamese culture, definitely saving was a huge thing. Um, I think my parents, so they're in their mid fifties, late fifties right now. That generation definitely had a hoarder type of mentality because, or a scarcity type of mentality because they never knew when they're when it would all stop. Right. Um, and so that, that's what I saw, uh, with my parents growing up, like, you know, save uh, save things, um, and just kind of have things around all the time, uh, just in case. And, um, that's what I saw, um, in regards to making money, it was just, you know, make as much money as you can, uh, right. And, uh, and try to save as much of it as you can. Obviously they still took us out. Um, you know, we're a family of six, so they still took us out for, uh, for 
as much vacation time. We never really traveled, but it was like, you know, going to Center Island or uh, driving to Montreal, stuff like that, still do family things. Um, and in regards to investing, there really wasn't any investing at all um, during that, during, I think, the first like 25 years of my life seeing them. Um, you know, they did do wonderful things like buying a house for themselves. Uh, and I think that's their biggest, I guess, investment um, for them. But uh, other than that, you know, maybe some mutual funds and equities here and there. But uh, yeah, not much on the investing side. So that's that's awesome. So here, what I was trying to do is paint a picture here, right? Because I think depending on where you are in your journey and how, how your upbringing was, you know, there are little pieces here that are very similar, like to my to my upbringing, which I can completely relate to. And what we're what we want to do here was to to showcase how how common this was, right? Growing up in, as a millennial. So I don't. How old are you? How, how old are you, Terry? So I'm 33 this year. You're 33. Okay, so you're yeah. Gen. I think I'm Gen Z. You're Gen. Oh, no, Z. I think I'm still millennial. So I was born in 1990. So I'm like on the cusp. You're like both. the tail end of millennial, yeah. early Gen Z. So, yep. Um, but your your, your parents are kind of like the late, the last baby boomer era. I think mm -hmm. I would say the very last baby boomer. So, still that yeah, that scarcity mindset of of saving because you don't know when it's gonna end, and you don't know if it could just be taken away yeah. because of like obviously the war and all that stuff that's happened when you when you emigrate. But all that I think puts us and shapes us to kind of what we understand, but why we start doing things, right? Like why we actually do. It. And I, I love that you brought it up because without that self-reflection, like even for myself and Jen, like going through this, we were just like, we're just kind of going through the motions, right? And we see it because we, we treat it as, well, that's, that's normal. It, it's normal to act this way. Yeah. Uh, so like, is that, is that kind of what you felt as well? Yeah. It was honestly like, you know, this is, this is what I see my, my parents doing. Like they, they're pretty much workaholics, yeah. uh, at least during that time in my life. And I subconsciously just took that on and work was number one priority for me for honestly, between like 20 and 29, 30. Um, I'm still kind of, uh, I, I joke and I'm a recovering workaholic <laughs> and, and it's been tough to kind of put those constraints in my life because it was just like, you know, I would pick up, you know, five o'clock in the morning, go to job site for, for seven and then finish at three and then either go to my second job or start flipping stuff on eBay. So, and, and it was like that consistently for years and years and years. And I never really understood why other than, you know, just building money for the sake of building money to hopefully get into investments in the future. But yeah, that's usually yeah, so how it goes. That's, that's, that's cool. Cause I think a lot of us are still at that phase, right? Whether it's like, um, you're, you're working for, the accumulation or you're working for the distribution of wealth, right? Accumulation, then distribution. So, all right, that's awesome. So this eBay thing, okay. Mm -hmm. This eBay thing is really cool. Cause I, I haven't met a lot of people that have, have flipped stuff on eBay other than like maybe three people and Gary V. <laughs> yep. Gary V is such a huge proponent of flipping stuff on eBay. How did you get into this? Gary V. <laughs> Funny Was it enough. really? Yeah. yeah. So in 2017, uh, he had a flip challenge, hashtag 2017 flip challenge. I think you can still search that hashtag on Instagram. Um, and at that time, I was a second or third year uh, electrical apprentice. 
And I saw that and I was like, you know what? I have some cash. I could try this out. If this guy is really showing, you know, I could buy something for $5 and flip it for, you know, $50. That's, that's great. Right. And it seems like it's not like a lot of time and it seems fun, right? You know, the deal hunting and the treasure hunting is definitely a very fun part of it. Um, Because I do know a lot of friends and and colleagues that have done like Amazon FBA or drop shipping and, you know, run e-commerce stores in that capacity. But eBay is definitely its own very niche thing. Uh, but that is how I got into it through Gary V. Yeah. So then, what what did you start flipping? Was, uh, like... <laughs> Honestly, man, it was uh, it was anything and everything under the sun in the beginning, because eBay has this wonderful feature where you can kind of filter things out and literally just type it in and search it up and see what sold comps are. Just like seeing what a house sells for, or seeing what a actually you can't really see what a car sells for, but yeah. seeing what a house car, a house sells for, and you can do comps on eBay and to see whether or not there's a profit margin big enough for you to buy that. So in the beginning, I would go on the weekends to garage sales and I would buy like American girl dolls or, you know, vintage video games or uh, cassette tapes or pretty much anything. Yeah. That, that's what I would start off in the beginning. So, okay. So you actually went to garage sales yeah. uh, and stuff like that. Did you ever go to like retail outfits and like clearance, clearance section? I remember there's a big push where you could go to Walmart clearance or target clearance and stuff like that. Um, or was it strictly what you could scrounge from? Um, for me, it was just strictly what I could scrounge and scavenge from garage sales and, you know, Valley Village, Salvation Army, uh, estate sales, content sales. And you know what, during the journey, like, like I was at that time, I think I was 26, 27. So I was definitely one of the young guns out going out there, you know, seven in the morning, eight in the morning, lining it up for a content sale when everyone else is like, you know, 50 plus, but it was really fun to talk to people, um, and kind of just chit chat and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's how I did it. Uh, I did see the avenue of going through like uh, Walmart and going through the clearance section or, or stocking up on multiple SKUs and selling it that way. But honestly, part of it for me was the fun of the deal hunting. And uh, that, kind of, that kind of traveled with me throughout my entrepreneurial and real estate investing career because that is part of the fun of real estate investing, looking for a deal, creating a deal, you know, making something work f- with your numbers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. That's how it went. Okay. All right. We'll we'll leave off this eBay thing. There's so many more questions, but I want I want to get into the kind of like the meat and potatoes of 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 like uh, your your journey here, right? Yeah. Sure. So, Actually, you know what? Can I share one story? One crazy cool. Yeah. EBay man, of story? course. Yeah. 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 I, so one of one of the greatest flips in the beginning, and this might sound crazy, but I went to Valley Village in Markham, and I bought these cassette Sony cassette tapes for seven dollars Canadian, right? And I had an American and Canadian eBay store. Was this so, the Max Maxwell? Is this the Maxwell red, red and, I, red and gray? I, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay, okay, so okay. Maxwell was kind of like, uh, as I learned, Maxwell is like a lower brand. But if you oh, get like yeah. some, yeah. But if you get some like sealed, they have to be sealed. But yeah. uh, these ones were like a particular model number and whatever. And anyways, they were Sony. I think there was like four of them. And these are just cassette tapes, brand new sealed from way back when. And um, I bought them for seven dollars Canadian. I listed on eBay and they sold within 24 hours for 500 USD. Yeah. All four or all four. Yeah, no, all four, all four. Each that would have been crazy, but literally it was from $7 Canadian to 500 USD back at that time. And I think the conversion rate at that time was like 1.4, 1.5. So it was an insane flip. 
Uh, and you know, those are, those are the fun stories. Obviously not all stories are going to be like that, but, uh, that, that was part of the fun. Yeah. That's see, this is the cool part where, when we get into these kind of journeys and, and ventures where a lot of people will be like, oh, that's kind of a crazy idea. Right. But mm -hmm. as you go through this, there's all these particulars that no one will ever really understand unless you go through it and yeah. you figure it out yourself and you kind of get these kind of nice gems. Yeah. And that's. That's something where I like to relate to like investing in general, right? Or the, the, the work ethic is you, you, you put into work and you figure out ways to make it work and there's going to be base hits, right? You're going to be base hits. You're going to get uh, striking out, uh, struck, struck it. I can't speak English. <laughs> you're going to get thrown out. You're going to get yeah. a few times. You're going to pop up, but you get those base hits. You get on bat. And then the more at bats you have, you're going to have those doubles and sometimes those home runs. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really relatable to investing and kind of where you're going with this, this story of Airbnbs. So, yeah. okay. eBay's Sony major flips, 500 bucks from seven to one. That's an awesome, awesome yeah. conversion. Um, well, by the way, Terry, if you're ever interested, I know you're, you're not a stock guy, are you? No, I'm not okay. a stock guy. All right. no. That's cool. All good eBay stock is uh, eBay tickers EBAY. Uh, it's 45 bucks, but it's really only gone up 20% over the last five years. So if you kind of think about it right now, back in the hype of law, like when you started, eBay was massive before, like obviously uh, Amazon and all this stuff. So um, this is a, a testament to the rise and fall of big titans, right? Where something can be used like crazy, but all of a sudden now no one uses eBay. I don't know. I don't know anyone that uses eBay anymore, but yeah. Um, okay, cool. Then. At some point you're doing this and you're, you're still doing your job, right? You're, you're yep. nine to five and then you get exposed to real estate investing, yep. right? So how, what, what got you exposed to that? Like what led to you doing all this and all of a sudden be like, I want to go buy and flip houses and renovate and do all that. Yeah. So, um, to be honest with you, I can't really pinpoint exactly where it all started. It was kind of accumulation of things over the years, but I did, uh, end up reading rich dad, poor dad when I was like 19 or 20. And I think I only read through like half of the book and I guess it just kind of stuck in me. And then as I was going through like, you know, the eBay days and, uh, and even doing side jobs as an electrician as well. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people in your audience that, uh, you know, are always asking trades people to do side jobs for cash. You know, I definitely did some jobs for cash. Uh, and that was great. And, um, you know, just from, I guess from social media, just seeing people wholesale stuff on Instagram, like wholesale real estate on Instagram, doing flips on Instagram, and then eventually uh, coming across Matt McKeever's channel and Andrew Hines's channel and kind of learning the Canadian real estate landscape. Um, that kind of opened, opened my mind to like, oh, hey, you know what? This might be possible with the capital that I have and, you know, maybe partnering up with some people and kind of starting this journey and, you know, making some money in real estate. And real estate has always been to me, and this comes from, from my mom and my dad, like real estate has always been to me like this pinnacle of like, oh, hey, once you get a house, you know, yeah. you're there, you're like you made it and stuff like that, especially coming from uh, my parents with an immigrant, uh, immigrant background, you know, coming from Vietnam owning a house in Canada, I don't even think was a dream for them. I think it was just like, you know, they just had to figure things out. And then when they got there, they're like, when they got to that side, they're like, oh, hey, you know what? We're here. They're, you know, a lot of our friends and family, they're still renting or whatever, but we made it. Like we have a house, we have something called our own. Um, and I think that kind of leaked into me as well. And um, when I started researching also like, you know, what the wealthiest people in the world own or, or do, 
a big chunk of that is real estate. Um, whether they talk about it or not, but a big chunk of, you know, their portfolio is real estate. So I was like, all right, maybe between all the things that I just mentioned, maybe I can figure something out. And, uh, once again, going back to, you know, Matt McKeever and Andrew Hines, I kind of like started trickling into me, like, you know, the Burr method, how to do flips, how to set up corporations, how to, you know, do market analysis and, and do long-term rentals and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that's how I, I, I got started into real estate investing. See, it's kind of crazy where you were literally just mentioning we, Jen and I recorded something last night and it was, you literally touched on, it just said the exact same thing we said. It was this whole like Canadian dream, right? And for a lot of people, it's out of touch, out of reach at first. And then mm -hmm. when you, when you get there, you buy your home and it's like, okay, well, what do I do next? Right. Um, but then also this whole thing concept of like, what do wealthy people Google? Cause that, you know, we're just, we're working for the sake of working at some point and then you know, you're bored, you Google stuff. Yeah. And it's funny that you Google that or you searched it because that's mm -hmm. what exactly what I did at some point. And I was like, shit, maybe we should have some more real estate in our portfolio, you know? And it's yeah. like that, that leads into like this whole rabbit hole, right? You go into this huge rabbit, rabbit hole. hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there wasn't, there was no Canadian content. Everything was US based. It's like all these people in the US talking about, you know, what's, what's the, um, Bigger pockets. Yeah, bigger pockets yeah. and all these terms and, you know, financing conditions that were like not applicable to us. But yep. um, yeah, it's, it's amazing that what you can do is when you have this little curiosity, kind of dig a little deeper, right? Then you're like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, okay, you're getting into this. You mentioned a lot of things, right? Not everyone, I think that listens might know what burn all that stuff. And won't get into it, but yep. it, did you start with long-term buy and holds? Did you do flips or did you do a combination of those before you got into the more like complex things like a burr and all that? Um, actually we started off with a burr from the get go. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, m one of my very first partners, uh, we met through Instagram, um, while I was flipping stuff on eBay and he was selling stuff through Amazon FBA. Um, our pages kind of like matched up and, uh, we realized we were both on Ontario kind of had similar goals and, uh, we purchased our first property together, um, JV'd on it, so joint ventured on it with one of his buddies. And uh, we did that March 2019, and that was for a house site. We purchased it site unseen in Hamilton uh, with the intent of converting it from a single family to a duplex and to bird out. Yeah, so that was our first deal. Or my Yo, first deal. Talking about jumping straight into the deep end, huh? Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> Man, good for you. That's awesome. You. You, you hear a lot of these stories too, right? And then there's there's like two sides, like um, where it's like you kind of dip your toe in or you just, just fucking jump in. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Sight on scene. You do a burr. And, and the cool thing is you obviously have a construction background, right? So, yep. out of, I guess, your three partners your two partners yeah so my um, two partners yep you are you are the boots to the ground kind of thing is that kind of how you set it up uh no actually we were all you know 33 and a third partners and oh, everything okay. uh capital so those other two guys they were also in the construction industry so we all oh, had okay. like a very vast knowledge of construction um like very very vast and so it was fairly easy for us to kind of figure things out um as we went along that project yeah okay cool so you, you do a burr and then is that, is that burr still in your portfolio? Did you, did you flip it like bird and then flip it burr sell it or refinance to yourself? Uh, no. So actually, um, my partners, uh, bought me out on that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we, I even went through that, that Avenue as well. Yeah. Um, and then from there we went into, I had a second project, 
um, which was also in Hamilton. And that was a single family to triplex conversion. And then we refinanced that out, held it for a couple of years. And then we ended up selling it at the peak. Um, and then from there, I think I've done in total, like eight to 10 deals in three or four years uh, of active real estate investing between flips and burrs. Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. Awesome. That's, uh, so if, if you're, th if you're thinking in terms of co contextualizing what eight to 10 is now, eight to 10 sounds daunting, but when you kind of get into a snowball effect and, and you, you ride the market environment, it goes pretty quick, especially when you mm -hmm. got like ambitious guys like you and your partners that are kind of like, let's go, go, go. Right. Yeah. So, all right. I, I do have to ask. So you, you did eight to 10 flips and they were kind of through 2019 to 2021, like 2020, right? This whole, like you said, peak, right? Yep. Did you get into any of these conversions or flips in between that cycle when it, after the, after the peak, like was, was there any, any, uh, point in time where you were entering and you're like, okay, we, we got to stop this now because now it might not be favorable. Yeah. So actually, um, one of, I guess my last real estate acquisitions, uh, was for a single family flip in Barrie, Ontario. Okay. And, uh, that was last year. So May, 2022. And as we all know, interest rates were like going up every single month and stuff. And I was kind of itching to get another deal. Like we had just sold a, a different triplex in Hamilton at that time. And I had nothing on the plate. Like I wasn't working on any businesses. I wasn't working on any acquisitions. I wasn't doing any renovations. I wasn't doing any side jobs for, for customers or anything like that. Everything was done yeah. and I was just itching to do something. And so the numbers kind of made sense. And, uh, I went through with, uh, with putting down a deposit on it and it was supposed to close in August or September last year. And as everyone, whoever's following the market, the interest rates went higher and higher and real estate prices started dropping and dropping. And so this project that seemed to be, you know, like, like a double ended up being, you know, I was going to strike out really, really bad. So I ended up pulling the plug on that and lost yeah. my deposit. Yeah. All right. And that, so this is, uh, I think what I wanted to highlight too, right? There's, mm -hmm. I, you mentioned Instagram before, right? And I think all of us, we're, 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 we're prone to this, right? Seeing a lot of smoke and mirrors online. Yep. And you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm guilty of that myself. There are some times where you, you, when I say you, me, we, everyone, um, you, you were, we're trying to, we're trying to post a certain angle, right? And a lot, there's a lot more of this with other people than I would say the majority, but you know, everything looks fine and dandy. Whereas in reality, not everything is fine and dandy. Like people will go through learning lessons like this. And I want to commend you by saying like, you know, appreciate you actually sharing the truth yeah. is that like this stuff is what actually really teaches us life lessons about investing, about kind of how we look at macro things. And, you know, the, the, the wave never just keeps going up. And at some point, yeah. you know, stuff, stuff stops and there's obviously things that we can't control. However, by you recognizing that and just saying, okay, well, I got to pull the plug or else you could have been in even more deep water if you just yeah. hold stuff and never sell. So, um, but yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, appreciate that. So, okay. We're doing flips. You stop flipping. Mm -hmm. Are you still working your nine to five at this time? No. So, um, when I purchased that first deal in March of 2019, um, I was still working full time as an electrician for about another three or six months, somewhere yeah. in that, that range. Um, but I ended up going full time, uh, into active real estate investing 
August 2019. Yeah, so from March to August, so five months, I was still working full time. But ever since August 2019, I've been self employed. Yeah. All right. That's. See, this is. I, tell <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if a clap is uh, is warranted here. It's been it's been a very tough road for the last like three four years. This is this is the beauty of it is that um, I think um, whereas you know coming from my lens like um, and a lot of people that have corporate corporate careers uh, so to say when we look at the outside of an entrepreneur and I'm gonna try to go on a tangent here very very short right um, entrepreneurship can be a beautiful thing mm-hmm. right if you take it head on there will be like a lot of ups and downs just like anything um but i just wanted to highlight the fact that like you dive from head first into this mm-hmm. which also leads into the next kind of segment that i want to talk about airbnbs which you have also dived head first into this yeah really i think goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning of this about this this hustle mentality that I'm going to say our immigrant parents have blessed you with, yep. even though we see that as like, it sometimes is a downfall, right? But really, if anything, it served you well because you're just like, shit, I'm just going to figure this out. Let's just, <laughs> let's just go do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say definitely that 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 it is one character trait that I did pull out of that hustle mentality. Um, I don't necessarily believe, like I'm not the same person I was five years ago. Uh, when I started real estate investing and stuff, uh, my viewpoints have definitely changed. But um, that hustle mentality and that lifestyle did uh, build a lot of character traits that I've started to notice that not a lot of people have in regards to, I guess, risk. Um, because I do take, quote unquote, bigger risks than than what most people would. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, there, there's always good and bad with everything. And uh, and, and I started to learn now that I'm getting quote unquote older, um, you know, there's different seasons and different phases of everyone's life. And I'm definitely in a different season of my life than I was five years ago. Yeah, for real. I, yeah. I always use the, I use the, um, the analogy of the pendulum, right? It's you're always in a, one side of the swing where you're like pushing really hard. And at some point, you're going to go back to the other side because you kind of need to because yeah. pendulum can never just stay all the way up. And we never find this bottom. Everyone's trying to search for this like balance of the pendulum. Uh, I'm kind of doing this on on camera because we record this on YouTube too, right? So it's yeah. like, um, but um, so then, okay. So this whole thing about uh, you've changed over the last couple of years. What's changed, Terry? Because that's the cool part that I want people to understand, right? Because we go through this journey of you know, the motions and mm-hmm. try to figure out well, what's changed. Like what's changed in your investing? What's, what's changed as a person? Um, what's changed in my investing or as a person, they're fairly similar. It's more, I'm instead of saying yes to everything, I actually consciously say no to a lot of things. Like when I started um, real estate investing, I would say yes to almost every opportunity that came to me. And I would have that shiny object syndrome, essentially. So, oh, hey, Terry, do you want to partner on this? Oh, hey, Terry, do you want to do the electrical for this? Oh, hey, Terry, you know, what do you think of this deal? Do you think we should flip this deal? And I'll be like, yeah, we'll figure it out. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And, you know, and I have to say by the benefit of where the market was at the time, you know, I came out fairly scot-free. You know, if I was doing all that stuff in today's uh, current environment, I would not be walking away scot-free. So that's why um, I have changed because I realized that, you know, I, I got lucky during that time and the calls that I made back then, I wouldn't make those calls today. 
Um, and that part really made me realize, hey, you know what? I can't say yes to everything because saying yes to everything is just gonna, it's gonna ruin my, my free time and it's gonna ruin my, you know, relationship at home and all these other things, right? So that's, I'm, I'm starting to realize like, you know, there are other things other than, you know, the hustle culture and the money and the investments that are more important in my life. And this goes back to what we were talking about before on how, you know, I just kind of did things to do things. And now I do things with intent and with reason. And, you know, this kind of gives a good segue into the Airbnb arbitrage business. Like, like I said earlier, between May of last year and August, um, I didn't have anything going on except for that one deal, which, you know, I lost out on, but I was also looking for something that was cash flow heavy because as you know, as real estate investors, uh, we kind of get sold on cash flow investing, uh, in the beginning. Right. And, um, I feel like that is tough to accomplish, especially in the early years of cash flow investing, uh, with real estate, unless you have a significant down payment or something. But um, anyways, during that time, I was trying to figure out a business that was cash flow heavy that, you know, didn't require that much capital and also didn't require me to be, you know, boots on the ground and on the tools anymore because I wanted to transition to uh, a different part of my life. And uh, that's how I got into the Airbnb arbitrage business. Yeah. So a lot of things you said there, which are really cool. So and we're going to get into this arbitrage thing. So essentially, uh I'm going to let you explain what arbitrage uh, in detail. A high level arbitrage is Airbnb arbitrage is this concept where you rent a property off of a landlord and you essentially flip that uh, onto Airbnb or a platform that you can re-rent for a higher price and you profit off the difference. So mm -hmm. the key thing there is you don't actually own the asset. You are you're literally arbitraging it uh, by renting it and then re-renting it higher. So that's cool. Okay, a lot of things here to go into this Airbnb. Now, you go into this. Now, Airbnb. So is this something you saw it obviously as cash flow heavy? And I want to preface that uh, you mentored under um, Aaron, Bay Aaron Bay and, and Carson, and Carson now, yeah. who in the real estate world have really created a replicable, uh, demonstrated successful model, which I think when they were doing it, a lot of people are just saying, this is not going to work. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you came at that, you saw, you started this, did you do it before, um, mentoring with them or did you do the, the, the famous Terry and just dive head first? Uh, yeah, uh, famous Terry and, yeah. and go head first. <laughs> so like, um, I started mentoring with them December of 2022. So about uh, seven months ago. Yeah. And, um, before that, you know, they, they were part of the inspiration of me searching down this business model. Okay. Um, during, actually during that time, a little bit of a flashback, it's during that time of when I was deciding what to do and figuring out like Airbnb arbitrage and stuff, I was actually looking at other cash flow businesses or just businesses in general. And I almost pulled the trigger on purchasing a construction bin business. So, you know, those companies that drop off bins in front of your yeah. house when you're doing renovations and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I almost bought one. Um, uh, some guy was selling it in Mississauga. And, uh, he had three trucks, about 70 bins. He wanted for like 450 K for it. I ran it, uh, with my accountant and he's like, yeah, this, uh, isn't worth 450 K, you know? So, um, but I was actively looking for either to start a brand new business or to acquire an existing business and kind of, uh, make it more profitable. So when I was going down that Avenue, um, you know, the Airbnb arbitrage started popping up on my, on my socials. 
And, um, you know, Aaron and Carson, I had known of them for, for a while. And I started kind of going down that rabbit hole. And then there's a bunch of other Instagram people that you, I followed. And I was like, hey, you know what? For the amount of money that I would have invested into starting a new business or acquiring an existing business, why don't I just start this business and try it out? So before I, I joined the mentorship, I actually started my first arbitrage deal in Pickering, Ontario where we are leasing or renting out a four bedroom, two and a half bath, single detached house. And then we put it on platforms like Airbnb, VRBO, and then we just re-rent it out. Yeah. So, okay. A lot of emotions you're probably going through this, right? And I know you go head head first into all this stuff. So this risk, this risk thing is not really there with, with my, with my man, Terry, right? But um, (laughs) I'm trying to get better at that. Let let me say that I am, I am getting a lot better than that. And, uh, and instead of just saying yes, right away, I'm like, yeah, but let me verify some things before, you know, we, we put some money down on the deal. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the thing where, whereas in, uh, in social media, there are a lot of people on social that will talk a big talk and show all these glitz and glamours. But when you kind of, you, you, you peel back the onion, you hear and you talk and cause this world is really small, the network's small. You're just like, yeah, you know what? No, no, not so much, but this is not towards anyone that, uh, you're working with or anything like that. Right. But what I'm saying, what I want to get to here is, okay. So you, you get into this now with, with Pickering, right. And mm-hmm. you're like, okay, you, you you weighed some risks and you obviously you were like, okay, this makes sense. Financially, it makes sense. Like yeah. in terms of what you said, capital, right? You don't need a lot of capital because you're, what are you, what are you putting the capital for? Can you? So the capital them? is just for um, first and last month's rent. Yep. Uh, just as if I'm a regular uh, long-term tenant. And then for furnishing the property, photos, labor to install and set up everything. Uh, that's what the capital is for. So for that one, I think it costs about $25,000 to set everything up. Okay. Yeah. 25 grand, four bedrooms, and how big yep. is the house? Kind of like 3,000? Yeah, square? so it's a four bedroom, two and a half bath, 1,800 square feet. Oh, okay. Uh, brand new built. No one's ever yep. lived in it before. It's like one of those new div- subdivisions. Okay. Nice. Okay, awesome. So 25K. 25K, a little bit of sweat equity. You're, mm-hmm. I assume you're going to get your team, uh, your power team of cleaners, handy, handy men, handy people for all you woke people out there. Yep. Um, who else? Like, well, electrician. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But honestly, that's pretty much it. Yeah, like when, okay. once you get the initial setup and, you know, I didn't even have to contract a company. I just called a couple of my buddies. I'm like, Hey, I'll pay you cash. Come help me this weekend. I'll get you some pizza. Let's just assemble furniture. That's all it is. And, uh, and my fiance, like she helped design the entire place. So it looks wonderful. And, uh, that's pretty much the initial setup. And then after that, yeah, just having cleaners, really cleaners are like the number one star on our team, you know, cause you got to make sure everything's clean and staged for every single guest and every turnover. Um, and then handy, handy people contacts, honestly, it's close enough. Like it's only 30 minutes away from where I live and that was intentional. Uh, so then, because this was my first uh, venture into the space, I want to make sure that I could kind of drive there and kind of attend to guests in case anything happened. But I've had the place for, you know, since October. So that's almost been what, nine months now and nothing's really happened. I mean, this brand new house Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Okay. So you're going, you're doing the Airbnb, you put it live on the platform, you mm-hmm. got everything set up and has it been running to what you expected or is it performed better than what you expected? Um, I'll be honest with your audience here. It yeah. has not performed as I expected. Okay. Uh, I did uh, project some different numbers and, but it's been okay. I would say this is like a single base hit to yep. be honest with you. 
um, because during the time from like October until March or April, anyone that's listening, like we're in Ontario, so it's winter season here yeah. and not a lot of people want to travel. Um, I got fortunate enough that someone rented out the place for three and a half months. Uh, so that covered our costs and, you know, put a couple of shekels in, in our bank account every month. Um, but not to the extent of, oh, hey, I'm making like, you know, two or three grand a month every month. It's just not like that. It's a very seasonal and cyclical business. Um, but now that uh, it's June and we're in the summer months, um, we are profiting about $2,500 to $4,000, depends on if we're in June, July, or August. Yeah. Uh, and we have bookings already for that. So that has been better than what I expected for the summer season, but worse in the winter season. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And I think what's what will happen, I think this is with any business is that you know, we, we do our best to project, right? Mm -hmm. Same with as an investor, we project what we think we know. And there's some variables that obviously we can't control, like government, black swan events, weather, all this crap, right? But then, like you were mentioning, right, you get the singles, the singles enough just to get at bats. And every once in a while, you're going to get those doubles and everything, mm -hmm. which leads to you figuring out, okay, you know what? I'm not going to use this type of bat anymore. I'm going to try a different bat. And I'm actually going to change my stance in a little bit. Sorry, these are just cheesy sports analogies that I like <laughs> to use. I should have used a, a, a Billards technology. A Billards one? Bill, yeah. A Billards, yeah. <laughs> I'll get to the Billards thing. Yeah. I really want to talk to you about that. But then, okay, one point you go, okay, I got I got Pickering now. And at this time, now are you, are you thinking about expanding somewhere else? Is this while you're with Carson and... Aaron or so this all happened like really really fast okay. so we got the keys to the Pickering place October 15th and uh, I was planning to expand the company in Ontario and actually scale it in Ontario through the uh, through apartments or through condos um, and then Aaron had posted that he would be releasing a mentorship group I think at the end of November and I was like hey you know what I can learn from this guy uh, it's been I've been following him for a while and his numbers that he posts are quite staggering if anyone follows him. And I was like, you know what, let me just get around him and Carson and, you know, just absorb uh, what they have to teach. And so I joined their mentorship in December and uh, I was looking at some markets in Ontario and I was going to scale uh, the business in actually Kitchener, Waterloo. And I had a good contact that I could have gotten anywhere between 10 to 15 brand new condo units to do this arbitrage model. Um, and I ran it across uh, Aaron and uh, we went through the numbers and it kind of didn't make sense too, too much, right? Yeah. Just because like it's very seasonal. Um, so, and the rents in, you know, Kitchener, Waterloo and in Ontario are just, you know, astronomical. Yeah. So the spread there wasn't that good. Um, and Aaron and Carson had, you know, ventured into the States recently and there were a couple other colleagues in that group that uh, have been in the States with long-term rentals or short-term rentals for a while. And so we started poking around there and uh, we ended up landing in Arizona and specifically in Phoenix to kind of uh, do our next arbitrage deal. So we went from Pickering, Ontario to Phoenix, Arizona, and now we have roughly 20 plus listings in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Hold on. Did you say 20? Two zero. Yeah. Two zero. Yeah. Okay. 20. Yeah. All right. So 20. So again, another... <laughs> I, I always want to give people their flowers when, you know, like they they go into head first or oh, even not head first, but you find a way to find these singles and then just all of a yeah. sudden it's like it snowballs really quick. Right. So yep. that's that's really cool. And I've seen some of your listings where it's like 
is really nice. It, 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 it looks nice, top-notch, and you've learned from the best, obviously, in terms of what those trade secrets are and mm-hmm. what to do. Um, and now you're in the States, which as investors, I mean, the numbers have to make sense, right? And that's kind yep. of part of why you went in there. What have you seen in the States now that is making it more attractive other than just obviously numbers? Like, are there, are there uh, like qual- qualitative factors? Like being in Phoenix, is there a reason why you went to Phoenix? Was it just purely numbers or was there something like uh, a tourism attraction or something like that? Because we hear a lot, Airbnb, go find where the tourism is, right? But that yeah. doesn't always necessarily work. So can you, can you explain that? Yeah, for sure. So why Arizona? And if there are qualitative factors to why I chose Arizona, honestly, in the beginning, um, like six months ago, I didn't know Arizona was a state. That's how ignorant (laughs) I was. Yeah. 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 And uh, the only reason why I went or one of the reasons why I went down there is because Aaron and Carson had just picked up 10 units in Arizona. And I figured, you know what, if my mentors are, you know, spending the resources to go down there, then there's got to be something there. Obviously, I did my due diligence just to make sure, you know, the numbers made sense. And um, and that uh, I'm good to put my money where my, you know, my research is and, and it worked out. And, um, and so I went down to air or I started calling. I never flew down to Arizona. I still haven't to this day been to Arizona, but, uh, I started cold calling down there just to find some leads. And, um, there was one landlord who has a portfolio of a few hundred units and they were willing to take me on as a quote unquote partner, uh, with them. So. Yeah, that, that's how I kind of scaled uh, with Arizona. And um, in regards to qualitative factors outside of like the numbers, I guess, um, there are a lot of things that attract people to going to Arizona. Uh, it's a huge golf state uh, for any golfers out there. I'm not a golfer myself. I just do hear these things through research. And, um, you know, the I think the Grand Canyon is about three hours away from there. Um, and there's a bunch of other, other attractions in Phoenix, Arizona too to go to cool um so uh my friends and i are looking to plan a phoenix trip uh in the in the fall so i i'm gonna have to reach (laughs) out to uh, you sometime yeah see if that lines up um okay that's awesome so uh but 20 units in phoenix and you you get into this so you've set it up i i've seen the photos Mm -hmm. i i've seen some of the numbers you've shown which are projecting i think better than your pickering i would imagine yeah Okay, awesome. And that's where we wanted to get to, right? This whole thing where all the, all the stuff that you were you worked out before, it was like, god damn, why is it not working out, right? And but you just kept at it. Yep. And you were keeping at it. So I want to share with that with people is that you're going to take on these projects and and these journeys as part of your life and connect it back to investing, right? Whether it's investing or business building, everything doesn't go smooth right away. Mm-hmm. But we expect everything to go smooth because we're very ambitious, right? But sometimes it doesn't. And the critical thing is that you pivoted and you leaned on advice from people that have demonstrated success, right? And you basically said, hey, let's just go do this. We're going to learn. We're going to fly the pl- fly, get the plane off the ground, figure out how to fly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Then you're getting into this Airbnb business and you have Chris, right? In the back, um, your fiance. Yep. Who you mentioned did the, the, the designs initially. Mm-hmm. How how has she been integral into, I guess, this business? Because your what's your business name again? Can you remind me? Yeah. So the company name is Terracasa Homestays. 
Okay, and is Terracasa a combination of both you guys? Uh, wow, you're good. Yeah, actually, right. yeah, yeah, it is okay. between uh, Terry and Christina. And then we also added some real estate flair to it. So Terracasa, if you break it up into two words, is Earth Home. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah, not, not, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not the sharpest tool in the, in the shed, but, you know, I can kind of put things together. But, <laughs> um, okay, cool. So, so obviously, a uh, big part of um, your everyday rich is like, mm -hmm. A journey together, right? With with whoever is in your journey, and obviously with me, it's me and Jen and our kids and our friends and family. You with Chris. So how do, how does she like fit into this picture? Like, how did you guys kind of come up with be like, hey, Chris, I wanna I wanna go uh, do some Airbnbs now. You wanna jump on board? Like, how, how did you how did you talk about this? How does how did this living room conversation start? Yeah. So uh, my everyday rich with Christina and our living room conversation. How did it start? Is um, she knew that you know. She saw me flipping real estate for the past couple of years, doing birds, and I actually opened her mind into uh, investing into real estate. And you know all the terminologies that we talk about, um, you know, cash out refi, uh, no money, no money in the deal afterwards, cash flow positive, all these you know buzzwords and stuff like that. And uh, we actually are partners on two real estate deals right now, um, outside of our primary residence. And so she saw that. I had finished my last project and I had this Barry deal going on and I was just like kind of just twiddling my thumbs to be honest with you um, while I was trying to figure out, you know, should I buy an existing business or start a new one? And I brought up, you know, maybe I should do this Airbnb arbitrage thing. And, uh, you know, I showed her some videos on Instagram. I kind of ran some quick numbers with her and I was like, you know, it's less riskier than flipping a house, right? For example, like a $500,000 house as a real estate investor, we have to put down 20%. Um, well, we don't have to, but that's generally recommended, yep. especially buying through a corporation. So that's a hundred grand on a fifty on a five hundred thousand dollar house. Plus, you know, I getting a mortgage either through private and then, you know, um fixing up the place and then selling the place like it's an arduous process. Versus, you know, why don't I just spend twenty five thousand dollars, rent this place out and make make a couple bucks and then figure out this business and then scale that way. So that's how the, the living room conversation started. It was, you know, less capital, less risk in our eyes um, to go down this route versus continuing flipping or doing something in that capacity. Yeah. Okay. And is Chris more on the uh, conservative side or is she similar, similar in terms of let's, let's like go waist deep right away? No, she's definitely more conservative than, okay. than I okay. am. Uh, definitely much more conservative than I am. And she kind of has to like pull me back sometimes. And, you know, being in a relationship, we we do have a lot of differing opinions, but at the end of the day, we still respect each other. Yeah. And that's why we can have conversations that progress us forward. And I think that's more important. And one of the things that, you know, I've learned over the years and through her is, you know, it's me and you versus the problem, not me versus you. Like there's a problem out there, me, you versus that. Um, and that's how we can kind of, what I guess commonly would be tough conversations to have in a relationship finances uh, you know can i borrow money um you know I, I won't have money for this this month or you know we might have to postpone our vacation or all these things it's just this is where we're at right now and let's just figure this out um and so she's been integral in the company in regards to the design and to making good decisions for you know where the company should be going forward um, and that's very non-tangible things um, that are super important 
for a business. And outside of that, like she's just my rock. Like honestly, without her, I'd be <laughs> I'd be in Arizona right now trying to put together these units and stuff myself. So, you know, and, and that's great because having those constraints um, make you think creatively and make you kind of evolve yourself. And I know it sounds may sound kind of corny, but it, it, it is an evolution and into, you know, a different person. Like I said, like I'm not the same person that I was five years ago when I started flipping and burring and all these other things and having like two businesses and multiple projects on at the same time. Everything is a lot more intentional and a lot more direct into, hey, you know what? Is this going to be more beneficial for our future and more beneficial for the business? And are these risks that we're willing to take on worth it for us? And we have those types of conversations instead instead of saying just yes to everything. Yeah. The being able to be transparent with your partner, whether it's business partner or your life partner is really important in so many facets. Whereas I think what happens is because of our childhood or, or just character traits in general, in terms of who we are and how we've evolved, like you said, um, there's always these, I call them money demons that sometimes we carry on or something like that, where, where it potentially can be more damaging if you're not straight up with things like this, right? You mentioned, hey, this is what's happening. You know, we might not have uh, in the, the projected revenues or anything like that. So, babe, we're not eating lobster or steak this month, okay? <laughs> yeah. We're going to be eating some ramen or pho or whatever it is, right? Yeah. And then like, but that's the reality is that you guys are going to work things out like that versus hiding shit under the carpet and then be like, surprise, you know, hey, I got $55,000 of credit card debt that I never told you about mm -hmm. at 20% interest. But that's that's the whole gist and I, I i love that you mentioned that because it's so core to like the message that we're trying to to share with people and through your kind of story of like it's a journey together it's yep. not just you so that's awesome okay i i love that chris is part of this and it and it seems that you guys are having a lot of fun and you're going down this this rabbit hole of going through more so is that is that where you guys see yourself in terms of like evolving your everyday rich in terms of like what where, what do you see your everyday rich now as it, it's it's evolved right how how yeah. is that what what is that for you now so for us like our everyday rich is um we we spend all our time together so we're she works from home I now work from home and so we're always together uh, our everyday rich is trying to make that time together more quality time. Um, we do, we love eating out. Like if anyone ever has any, you know, recommendations for restaurants and stuff, please send them our way. We love to eat out. Um, he definitely does. I follow him on Instagram. Every time I see <laughs> them going out, I'm like, God damn, Terry, like yeah. this is an amazing dinner. And yeah. by the way, Chris looks like an amazing cook. Cause I'm just like, Hey, Jed, do you, do you, do you see? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She is an amazing cook. I'm also an amazing cook too. She kind of forced me to, oh, to learn yeah, how to cook. All right, all right. So I, I'm starting to get better in that field as well. Um, yeah, but you know, between quality time and, you know, uh, great restaurants, we do also like to travel as well. And, uh, we've been talking about, you know, living somewhere else and being snowbirds, um, as well. Uh, what else we do like the nicer things in life. Like we do like designer stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, you know, not good nor bad. And I know a lot of real estate investors in the world or investors in general will be like, Oh yeah, why are you buying that Dior thing? Or why are you buying a Rolex? We enjoy it. You know, yeah. we like it. If, if we have the disposable income to do it, we're going to do it. Um, what else? We enjoy our hobbies. She plays volleyball. I play billiards. Um, we enjoy our dog and, uh, we enjoy, you know, spending time with friends and family. And honestly, like one of 
one of the reasons why I guess I've been hustling for all these years and now, um, you know, building this business and having more constraints and stuff like that to figure out, oh, hey, instead of me working 16 hours, how can I accomplish everything in eight hours is so that we can make more money and spend more time with our friends and family. Uh, like we love going to the cottage with them. We love creating memories with them. And uh, I think that's our everyday rich uh, really is just like enjoying our lives to how we see it. Um, traveling the world, enjoying times with family and friends, and uh, yeah, buying nice stuff. That's it. <laughs> the, and and it's this is exactly what I love hearing. Right when we ask people, everyone has a different answer, and yep. there is no wrong answer because it's it's your everyday rich, right? So yep. uh, the fact that one thing is to keep in mind is that you mentioned that hopefully everyone hears is that he spends things on the things he likes. They like. Right. And it's it's not a question about, well, yeah, you know, it's it's not an asset. It's a liability and all this shit that people, you know, will will spew about, which I do admit I, I do harp Jen on her like her bags and stuff. But like, yeah, Jen, the per wear per use. It's not really great here. So uh, you I know, know what you mean. Like, I was like that too. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. But, like, oh, you're going to buy a bag for two grand and wear it twice? That's a thousand dollars time. Yeah. But then I thought about it afterwards. It's like, hey, you know what? If that's what makes her happy, that's fine. And like you said, yeah. if 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 you can support it without putting yourself in in uh, bad debt uh, in that sense, then you know what? Yeah, be financially oh. responsible. Yeah. yeah. That's the key point. That's the key point I want to make sure is that Terry's not just Terry and Terry Chris aren't just buying this and just Yeah, if if you're gonna try yeah. and buy like, I don't know, like a twenty thousand dollar watch and you don't have zero dollars, then I don't know. Yeah, yeah, probably <laughs> maybe, not maybe don't decision. buy that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's gonna be your everyday poor here then. <laughs> yeah. So, um that that's so cool because uh uh this kind of stuff really makes my heart go like, ah, oh, yeah, it's awesome, you know? So then okay, we we get to this point where uh, I'm gonna ask you a bunch of questions here on just for fun, okay? Mm -hmm. Just for fun, fun stuff. Yeah. But you had billards. You mentioned billards, and I want to understand. Okay, this is a stereotype, but a Vietnamese <laughs> guy playing billards is yep. like it's like yeah. ultimate. Like it's like when I was growing up, all my Viet friends played billards. My yeah. Viet Chinese friends played billards. It was like smoky, smoky billards, uh, snooker halls, and everything like that. I don't know. Where did you grow up, uh, Terry? Uh, so I grew up downtown Toronto. So I grew okay. up in Regent Park for the first part of my life. Okay. Uh, when Regent Park was Regent Park and not how it is now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we moved to Thornhill and then Richmond Hill. And now I'm in Scarborough. Okay. All right, cool. So none of the pool halls that I went to, so it's, it, it'd be totally different, but yeah. I think they're all the same in terms of the, the characters you meet in there. So, yeah. Okay. You get, you're into billards. Was this a new thing? Always a, a hobby passion of yours? Yeah, always a hobby of mine. Uh, I've been recently picking it up over the last year. And uh, yeah, now I play at a rec league every week. So it's super fun. That's awesome. So I, when I grew up, uh, they featured uh, eight ball and snooker on TSN. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, cool. Like this was broadcasted at on TV at like 4.30 in the afternoon, right after like Batman or something when I was growing up. So I would watch Billers for half an hour. And there's this there's this girl called Jennifer Lee. She they called her the widow. Yeah, the okay. widow. The, the black widow. widow. See? Yeah. See? Okay. Chinese girl and like anyways, tall. Fucking amazing. And then there's this obviously this popular Filipino guy, an older older dude. Efren Reyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Efren okay. Bata Reyes, yeah. Yeah. And this kind of stuff, see, these are the random things that I watched. And I started playing billards because of that. Right. So I'm not good. But my dad brought me out and here's a little side story, just funny story here. 
before I was actually 19, because you couldn't get into a billiards pool hall because uh, of obviously age constraints. Yeah. But I managed to go in with my dad when I was like 17. And I convinced my way uh, to the owner of just letting me in, giving me a, a pass. So they gave you like these pool hall passes. So you had to be mm -hmm. a member, sign up. And he looks at me, he's kind of like, how old are you, kid? I'm like, I'm 19. He's like, looks at my dad. He's like, yeah, right. Because <laughs> right? all my other friends were old. Like they, they managed to get, you know, their friends, older friends to bring him in. And that's how I ended up going. And then obviously we go to other ones as we get older. But this whole pillar billard thing was really, really cool to be able to like, uh, like, you know, call pocket and all that stuff. And yep. it's just, it's just a cool thing to do. So it's, it's awesome that you're doing that too. So yeah, man, we should definitely shoot one day. <laughs> oh man. You can, I don't, you know what? I don't want to break out Lucille. If you know Lucille from Fresh Prince. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, okay, cool. That's, I, I got some, I got some, I got some questions here, which they're more like the fun part. Right. So, um, I call it like, uh, your, your, your crazy rich Asian segment. So Terry way on his way to crazy rich. Um, and, uh, please make sure that when you get there, you remember, uh, this interview. Okay. Hook up. Hook yeah, up for sure. Yeah. Yeah. When, <laughs> when I buy a pool hall in Mississauga or Milton, yeah, we'll definitely, uh, head down there. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. So crazy rich Asians. And, uh, recently you're, uh, the every, every, oh God, I forgot it, but, um, okay. Being Asian, mm -hmm. do you ever hug your parents? Uh, in the begin, like in the first part of my life, and when I say first part, like twenty five years, I would yeah. say no. Okay. Um, but I've been making conscious effort to uh, to be more. Um, I guess. I don't know. I I would hug them more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, affectionate. It's the same. It's yeah, more affectionate. Awkwardness. I I can totally relate to you. Never did it as well. And me and my brother, my brother came up to me. He was like, hey, we should just hug our parents. You know, just do it, right? And I remember we're doing this. And they're, they're the first time I ever did this with my mom, I was leaving on a trip uh, after graduating. And the way my mom, uh, I guess, not what's uh, said, said goodbye to me, we were at the airport and dropping me off. And I'm like, all right, see ya, ma. And I'm like, and I kind of got to do this. I kind of yeah. go into it. And she just goes, I'm tapping, tapping your shoulder like, yeah. yeah, you have a good time. Be safe, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now it's more like I, we grab them. So, no, that's that's funny, man. That's cool. Um, okay, cool. Uh, uh, pho or pork chop on rice? Uh, pho, yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, all day. Uh, all day? Yeah. Special or anything specific? Uh, for me, so I don't like tendon. And okay. I don't like cartilage. I don't. I hate that mouthfeel. Yeah. Um, so for me, I just I'm super basic. I just get PO2, which is just rare beef. <laughs> PO2 is that yeah. uh, which which store is that PO2? Honestly, almost every of them. It's yeah. very close. Like between PO2 or PO5, like all pho places are pretty identical <laughs> or similar, I should say, to yeah. that. But yeah, I just get the pho with rare beef. Sometimes all if right. I'm feeling uh, a little spicy, then I'll get it with beef brisket. Okay, ne never BBH or anything like that. No. Um, okay. It's like sometimes, but like BBH, like you have to find a really good place that makes it well. And like that broth sits overnight and stuff like that to really soak in that flavor. Yeah. And there's, I think there's a couple places in Mississauga and I think one in Gina Finch that are really good for that. But no, BBH is, it can be, can be disappointing sometimes. <laughs> I totally agree here. And uh, it can be overly spicy sometimes, but uh, yeah. okay, cool. Uh, Two piece or a single piece cue? 
uh like what do you use billiards cue yeah billiards cue two piece i don't think two anyone piece? has a single piece i don't know that's why i'm asking right like yeah two piece um okay. all the all the people that i play with yeah all two piece the only single piece might be their jump cue but yeah two piece okay all right all right yeah. okay cool and do you have a custom one no i don't have a custom one no i just right, uh store bought chris if you're listening <clears throat> um she actually bought me mine for Christmas. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, right, it's, right. It, uh, it was, uh, I wouldn't say it's a cheap cue. Um, and she bought that for my Christmas gift uh, when I was getting back into the into the sport. So, uh, yeah. I think we're going to have to brand some Terracasa stuff, you know? Terracasa <laughs> cues. Uh, okay. Have you ever played the three ball game at the CNE in one? Uh, the three ball game, like the yeah. billiards three ball game? Yeah, like no. they put three, three balls in a, on a table and you have three tries. So it's four? actually four balls. Oh, yeah, okay. It's four balls. All right. All right. Um, you get I th- uh, that four ball game. So I have played it before. I have not won it, but I'm definitely going to try again this year <laughs> and see how it goes. All right. I want you, I want you to go try and win this thing because that, that's I've never seen anyone win it. I'm just like, God damn, this is so hard. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, a few more. Hot pot or Korean barbecue? Ooh. Um, right now, I would say hot pot. Uh, a hot pot has been a really good season for us and we're in that season we're even having hot pot at home um so it's fantastic it's june and like 30 degrees so here, yeah here, still having hot pot yeah. here's to all the naysayers of hot pot it's like it doesn't matter how hot it is you can have hot pot okay so <laughs> yeah yeah everyone should go to like uh there's there's always like an asian Asian spot in their community, right? Where there's like one or two plazas of just like Asian, straight up Asian restaurants. For us, the closest one is Midland and Finch and Scarborough. And it's all like Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese oh, yeah. restaurants and stuff. I know where that is. Yeah. And if, you, yeah. And if you go there on like a weekend, it's packed and people oh, are yeah. eating hot pot, Korean barbecue. Doesn't matter if it's 40 degrees outside. Yeah. Hot pots, hot pots right now. And this is the hustle culture of Asian community, okay? Never closed on Christmas, never closed on Boxing Day. It's always packed. Mm-hmm. So you always wonder, but like, do Asian people ever cook at home? It's like, well, here's your answer. So, yeah. um, okay, cool. Um, and, and the local spot for us is actually our house. So if you're ever in town, we'll hook you up with some hot pot in our house, all right? Awesome. Um, okay, Milwaukee or DeWalt? Or team Milwaukee. Red or Team Yo? Okay. Milwaukee. All right. Don't even have right. to think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> sorry mike holmes if you're listening you know mike holmes team dewalt gets sponsored by that but uh um okay cool and as a sparky mm-hmm. going through what you did what's it feel like to get electrocuted because there's no way you have not been electrocuted <laughs> yeah i've been tagged a couple times um it's not fun it and it also depends on the voltage um if you get tagged like you see that plug in the background over there yeah. so if you get tagged by that plug it's 120 volts um it it's okay it's i would say what's it feel like you know have have you ever used those tens unit at like a chiropractor's office uh no the so, ones that make it like your muscle spasm and stuff oh okay yeah like like a dr yeah. ho massage yeah pad? like a dr ho thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah like yeah, that yeah. It, it feels it kind of feels like that for 120 shout out, to doc, shout out to dr ho uh shout out dr ho Markham. Markham, my cousin went to high school with a daughter. So anyways, sidebar. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what it feels like. It's just, uh, it doesn't feel that bad at 120 volts. Um, and then there's also a lot of factors on how it would make it feel worse or better. Yep. I'm not going to get into that. Um, but if I've gotten tagged with uh, 347 volts and 600 volts, 
and I can Damn. tell you that sucks. Yeah. Damn. That sucks. Oh yeah. Those are, those are widow makers, man. Holy shit. Yeah. Th- those can be widow makers. I've seen guys like fly off ladders and stuff. Like it's insane. So it's not just like in the movies. It's real. Yeah, it's real. It's real. And if like, if for some reason you get tagged on like one of the high voltage lines, and this is why you should be really careful, especially people who are doing renovations and like, oh yeah, it's just electrical wires up there. If you get tagged by that, uh, you could die instantly. Yeah. yeah so just heads if up. <laughs> if it's not that, it's the fall, right? So yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Well, with that in mind, um, how be do safe we reach kids? Out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't don't do what Terry does, okay? Yeah. But uh, okay. Um, Jen, any questions? No? Okay, well, I got I got a few wrap-up things. How do we find Terracasa? So how do we connect with you and learn more about arbitrage, learn more about just kind of what you're doing and help, help people out? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm pretty active on Instagram. You can reach out to me on my personal one, terry.ttn, or you can reach out to the company Instagram, which is Terracasa Homestays. Okay, cool. And then if you're looking to stay in Phoenix, Arizona or Pickering, you know exactly where to go. Uh, yep, hit me up. We'll put a promo code for $0 because you should pay full price to everyone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Awesome. And then anything in terms of uh, you wanting to live your everyday rich and you evolving, what would you tell to people that are going through a journey that are trying to figure out their everyday rich, their investing journey, not started. What what would you say? What would you, what would you kind of part part words with? Yeah. Uh, so one thing I would preface it with saying um, depends on the season that you're in. Uh, you know, Jason and Jason and Jen are definitely in a different season than me and Christina, and me and Christina are, are diff- in a different season than my cousins who are 19 or 20 years old. Um, but one thing that might ring true for all generations is to look at things on a longer time horizon. Like when I was doing flips and when I was, uh, handling or not handling, but when, yeah, handling renovations and dealing with clients and stuff like that, things would be all so go, 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 go. Right. Um, but now that we're in this business and looking on things on an annual basis, the decision-making process, um, is definitely for the best decision versus the right now decision. And I think looking at things on a longer time horizon to see what's the best for you in your circumstance um, might help. Okay, that's cool. Uh, that's yeah. awesome. Um, Terry, this is this has been great, man. Like I didn't realize like we've been at this for like an hour and a half now. An hour, an hour, <laughs> an hour change now. So. Th- that's kind of why it's so fun to do these kind of things, right? Because you hear some great stories. And I appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom. Uh, you old guy, you 30-year-old old guy here. <laughs> um, yeah. um, and we will post, obviously, your IG and everything. And um, you know, I'm sorry, Jen couldn't be here. Technical difficulties. But um, we look forward to seeing kind of more what you're doing here. And I am... I'm more than willing to look, reach out to you for all these things. So I appreciate you sharing your story with, with everyone, with our eight listeners and <laughs> 10 subscribers. So, but um, yeah, no, thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, to everyone out there, if you're listening here and still with us, thank you for the support. Um, help us by sharing Terry's story so that other people can hear these conversations, these couch conversations that we're having right now. And so that you can make the best decisions and take some of this stuff to live your everyday rich, because that's exactly why we won't want it in the first place. So 
Uh, appreciate it. Share, rate, like, subscribe, all that stuff. And uh, we will see you next time. So, Terry, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for peace. having me on. Appreciate the time. All right. Peace. The Everyday Rich Podcast is presented solely for general informational, educational, and entertainment purposes. Any such information or other material should not be construed as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended as a substitute for the advice of a qualified professional.